Hi everyone, this is Tom. Once again, we are featuring another great story from our trip to Wales. This time, we're speaking to Fleur, who is the Senior Curator for Cultural Life at the National Museum of Wales at St. Fagans. So, hope you enjoy it, and we'll talk to you soon. So, um, I'm Fleur. I'm um, Senior Curator of Cultural Life. So, I'm based at St. Fagans. Um, and we're at our collection centre, so a huge kind of storeroom where we keep a lot of our objects. And we're here looking at one of our new acquisitions, the Jesse Knight collection. Yeah, so um, I, I'm so excited to be back with the stuff because, you know, it's this enormous collection of paper, photographs, tattoo machines old dirty rags um and yeah to cut a long story short uh off just at the end of um of the covid pandemic we were able to convince i suppose is the right word the arts council and the hmrc to um deem this collection of art historical importance a special importance for the nation and particularly because uh, you know i reached out to you guys um here and said we've got this amazing collection that has this really interesting Welsh story. If we're not careful, it's going to disappear into the ether. And, and you guys have just been brilliant at like, you know, understanding its, its, its value and its interest. So yeah, can you tell us a bit about, I don't know, generally like what St. Fagans and what, what you as a curator are normally collecting and, and why you thought it was worth trying to acquire this collection? Um, well, St. Fagans used to be, um, I guess, a folk museum. So a lot of the collecting from when it opened in the 1940s to the 1980s say, was mostly focused around folk and rural life. So, for example, um, we've got lots of love spoons yeah. and harps <laughs> and things that people think are really quintessentially Welsh. But in recent years, we are now a national history museum. So we have a duty to make sure that everybody in Wales is reflected in the collection and everybody can see themselves when they come into an exhibition or display. Their histories are also told. So it's not one type of history. So now really we're looking at where we've got huge gaps in the collection and really trying to fill those gaps. For example, you know, we now have a, um, a black history curator who is collecting um, things to do around the experiences of Welsh black people. We've got an LGBTQ plus curator. Um, so that's really um, what we're doing in St. Fagans yeah. at the moment. So when we heard about this collection, we thought, well, it's, it's an amazing collection, but also it's, you know, it's linked to Wales. It's linked to, I guess, Welsh subcultures as well. And, you know, when you, today, so many people have tattoos. I'm not sure, yeah. what, what is it? One <laughs> in three, I'm not so sure. It's about that, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we want people, everybody to be able to come to the museum and see something that's of interest to them and yeah. maybe get people who wouldn't usually come to the museum to come in. And I think this will really achieve that. I hope so. I mean, I, 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 I sort of sent a, my first email contact to Sienna was was a bit like, 
help <laughs> i need someone to and instantly i think she and like her whole team including yourself like really understood that this had value as a as to tell stories you know not just stories about tattooing um i wonder if you could talk a bit about you know how the process of like bringing it here has been and 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 what kind of challenges and and, and opportunities you've faced is bringing this unwieldy collection i mean it's over 700 items isn't it and a lot of it's very unusual compared to the stuff that you've been collecting before so yeah what's what's been the process of actually actually bringing it here and and dealing with it practically yeah so it's an unusual collection for us we don't often collect uh, collections of this size but this type of collection you know the last thing you'd want is to separate it it's so important for us to have the complete uh, collection um here so yeah i think it is nearly 1000 objects yeah so i say 700 because when we first catalogued it in cornwall when we we had it on display we sort of gave up counting (laughs) because we sort of ran out of time and energy and the last few things are just like box of stuff box of photos or whatever so yeah so every single thing now in the collection has been given a number and a record on our internal system and um, will be going up on our collections online website as well. So that, you know, every single photograph, uh, every piece of tracing paper, um, cloth, the bag, and every single thing, even, you know, a tin of just random little bits, every single thing has to have a number and that's how we do it in the museum. So that's been a huge task in itself. That's taken... You know, working about one day a week on it, about a year of <laughs> doing that and just putting in very basic um, catalogue yeah. entries. Um, so we've done that work. Amazing. Every single piece is being digitised. So um, so our photography department is based in the museum in Cardiff, the National Museum Cardiff. So um, every Wednesday at the moment, we're taking like a box <laughs> to the photography department, picking up another box. So um, that's a huge job in itself. Because when 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 I first um, contacted Neil about the you know I heard about the collection on the grapevine and there were sort of rumours about how much of it survived and he, he just sent me on and I've still got these pictures he sent them to me on the, on on Facebook Messenger just like so many photos of bags plastic bags sports holders of stuff and like. I've, and, and then we, in, when we had it in Cornwall, took some low-resolution photographs and, and stuff. But I'm so excited that you're, you're taking proper photography and you've had the time and the resources and the energy and the, you know, and the kind of expertise, I suppose, to uh, to, to digitise it properly. Yeah. So um, we're, we're nearly there now. So we're hoping everything will be up in a couple of Amazing. months. So, um, you know, that'd be brilliant that people can go on. Yeah. And-, and that in itself is a completely unique resource. I mean, the collection... Um, is unique in the world, really. There are a few tattoo history collections in museums. The closest analogue, I think, is the Christian Varlet collection in um, in Hamburg, but nothing of this scale, nothing of this time period, because it's Jessie's stuff and the stuff that her dad had collected. So we've got probably, you know, nigh on 60, 70 years of stuff, um, as well as all of the little ancillary, as you said, bits of tracing paper, machines, ink, dirty towels as a collection i think this is unique in the world and even just having it available to look at online is going to you know it's going to transform people's opinions and attitudes towards this stuff as well as inspire and excite uh we were just talking before we started recording about you know 
the the kind of things that are, you know will come from this, whether it's textile designers, print, graphic designers, you know, um, as well as all the social history stuff. It's great art. It's great imagery. Um, but it's it's also great social history. It's also great Welsh history and storytelling. All of this stuff coming together in these you know these sort of as we you know looking in front of us, dirty stained nicotine marked um, objects. So yeah, like we're gonna I think we're gonna talk to um, uh, Lisa the conservator a bit more specifically about about some of the conservation. But can you can you talk talk to us a bit about again some of the challenges compared to uh, of, the, of these as objects for you? Like where do you put it? How do you keep it um, uh, safe? What have you been doing to to, to try and, you know, um, turn this stuff that was just kept in bags in someone's loft into a collection that's going to last in a museum? Yeah, so they're all being conserved at the moment, every single item, and they're all going to be um, repackaged, so they'll all be kind of split into different materials, um, and packaged in a really accessible way. So, you know, I think this is going to be a really popular collection. I think we're going to have a lot of groups coming in to see it. So we want people to see these. We want to be able to get them out easily. The only ones that are going to be a little bit trickier are the kind of Constantina ones and the ones that are scrolls because they're covered in... I don't know what it is. Some yeah, some, sort of some weird plastic. plastic yeah. Um, so they're actually going to be kept in a freezer. Really? Yeah. So oh. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So we do have huge freezers on site That's for amazing. materials such as those. So um, some of them came in and they were quite sticky and kind of started. Now, yeah. So, but Lisa's doing an amazing job in them and been on courses to learn how to preserve it. Um, the plastic coated ones really when they first came in Lisa said I'm not sure I think maybe we'll have 10 or 20 years with some of these plastic yeah. ones and they might just uh, go and you know obviously so we were making sure that those ones are being digitized first of all just in case yeah. so there was no way of salvaging them but she's been on courses and yeah she's found out great ways of preserving them and they're going to be preserved I think for Forever. yeah for generations yeah. to come and it's really nice you, you talk about them being usable because Neil uh, who, who who donated them um, part of what he was really keen to do and one of the reasons that he did want to keep it together and keep it as a museum collection was so that people could see it and he knew that um, if it disappeared piece by piece into private collections as has happened with other um, important tattoo history collections it would never be seen again together and it's certainly many of the individual pieces would just have never been seen again and I think you know it's it's interesting I know it's again that's a different kind of thinking isn't it for museums recently to think about um, uh, access and use for objects but it's really clear from the earliest conversations I had with with you guys that thinking about new audiences about access about not just putting this on a shelf and bringing out once a decade to put on display you've really done a lot of thinking as a museum about that right? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, we're thinking of research in different ways, where before, as a museum, um, research would always be maybe an academic paper or publication. But now we're trying to do a lot of research with communities, with young people who are interested. You know, that is just as valuable as research as a published paper. So, um, you know, over the next few years now, as this is being researched, it'd be great to have groups in, um, groups from the two community, um, 
people who work in the industry, um, young people who are also interested um, in the topic. So that's going to be a really... Old people who might have seen it the first time around. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. People who might have a Jesse Knight tattoo, people who might remember the shop, whether that's, uh, you know, in South England or in Barry, who knows. So, um, yeah, the possibility is endless. And hopefully from that research, you know, there'll be some ideas then perhaps of how we should interpret it interpret them how they should be displayed i think all of this is going to be an ongoing conversation yeah and i think that's again that's something that a museum especially a museum like yours can really do brilliantly and i'm i'm super excited um you know it it does make my life uh easier as a tattoo historian and hopefully easier for tattoo historians in the future because it's going to be here and um what i what i'm really happy with honestly is is that you're treating it seriously you know like as you said, even like, we've got to put this in the free. I mean, I do think it's like, as I said to you earlier on before we start recording, I think it is hilarious that you're handling these old tattoo machines with gloves on. Um, yeah. <laughs> given, as Tom said, uh, our producer, he said, that you're probably the first people ever to handle those with rubber gloves in their lives, you know, because they're, they're pre-glove era tattoo machines. Yeah. But but that does say something about, just beca- just because, even though these are vernacular objects that have come from smoke-filled toe shops and they're covered on in sticky tape and fingerprint masks and coffee stains, they're no less important or precious or, or useful or worth preserving than, um, you know, something that's a bit more straightforwardly fine art, right? Completely. And, you know, we have to make sure that generations to come can also access this and yeah. that hopefully Jesse Knight will become a more familiar neighbour. Because I think, you know, I'd never heard of her. I think most of the people in Wales right. wouldn't have heard of her. I think, you know, only people with a, a real interest yeah. in tattoos. And, you know, she's such a kind of iconic woman with these links to Wales. Yeah. It's so important. That That's we... such a good... Iconic's, I think, the right way to put it. Yeah. So, um, so hopefully the kind of the conservation and preserving them, that's, you know, yeah. absolutely crucial. And of course, you know, it's not just her. She also has this extended family, which aren't, which are represented a bit at the edges of the collection. But I'm sure, again, with research and and, and with um, interest, will lead people on to, to think about her um, her father, who was a you know a circus man and a sailor. Her sister, who was in a shop shooting act. Her brother-in-law, who was a um, a Welshman who put on a very heavy American accent and called himself Rex Roper as a, a cowboy act. Like I think there's 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 beyond even beyond the objects here. This leads into all kinds of interesting places. Um, I guess last question I wanted to ask you, and I don't want you to break any confidences here, but can you? Obviously, the museum's going through a period of changing and developing, and this is this is an unusual collection. Can you talk a bit about um, how your you know, more conservative volunteers or or or, um, or 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 people involved with the with the museum in some way have 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 adjusted to having this collection here. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to lie. I think it is a shock to some yeah. people, and quite a lot of nudity in it. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of nudity. You know, um, I've said some of the images, some of the pictures will be going through a decolonising yes. process as well, because there's obviously a lot of pictures of. Um, yeah, like real cool stereotypical images, which are very yeah. uncomfortable to a modern So yeah. um, we are, you know, we we know before some of those images we'll be able to go on collections online that we will have some sort of yeah. warning beforehand. Yeah. Um, so we are treating them sympathetically, hopefully. Um, but, 
Yes, I think the vast majority of people are very excited about it and are really, you know, keen to see them on display soon, hopefully. But I think, yeah, I think that by by some people that might have been a bit of a shock. You know, it's... um, And, you know, where do they fit within the museum kind of collections? Are they social history? Are they design? Are they art? You know, I think some people have got their own opinions about that as well. You know, we've got um, a maritime museum. Should they be more kind of part of that collection? So they they really fall in between a lot of different... uh, um, collections within the museum yeah i i i i I always love having those conversations and again talking to shithead and and, and you guys really first off the bat it was it was obvious that you understood how how this fitted and didn't fit actually and and as you said fill sort of some gaps and join some dots up right um between the the the, the folk history you know that where you've got these amazing collections of love spoons and and folk art and the maritime history and the social history and the gender stuff and the popular culture like all of these things that you're doing um uh, tattooing is is one way at least of joining those dots up together so yeah thank you like i'm so just again so grateful to all of you guys here for um for making this happen because I, you know, I, I, I wasn't privy to the internal conversations and I know they can't have been straightforward, particularly as a lot of this was happening during COVID. I was really terrified that this wasn't going to go through because, you know, who knows what was happening, but you guys all had faith in it and saw, even though I think some of you are tattoo people, some of you aren't, but like all of you realize that this is, as you said, like iconic, you know, it's funny and it's shocking and it's sexy and it's like surprising and joyful and uh, in all those different ways so yeah thank you so much for uh, everything you guys are doing cat continue to do thank you for bringing the collection to our attention in the first place so thank you so much thank you